June's Journey is a fascinating hidden object mystery gaming app where you'll play as June Parker, tasked with a daunting obligation, solve your sister's murder. Set in the 1920s, the era of glitz and glam, this family mystery is one for the ages. Everyone's a suspect until your investigation determines otherwise. The clues are all around you, hidden within tricky twists and turns. You'll collect detailed information about each character in your photo album where you'll comb over every detail. You can even join a detective's club to chat and play with others or against them in the detective's league. With hundreds of puzzles to solve, you should probably get started today. Discover your inner detective when you download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. Sound the gifting panic alarm. We've all been there. You need to find the perfect gift. You have absolutely zero ideas and you don't know where to start. Relax. Now you can use gift mode on Etsy. Gift mode takes the stress out of gifting, so you can find the perfect item for anyone and any occasion. Just answer a few short questions about who you're shopping for and what they like, and Gift Mode gives you curated gift ideas based on hundreds of personas. Imagine pages of artisan espresso mugs for the coffee connoisseur in your life. Or for the pickleballer, customize paddle covers in every shade imaginable. Etsy's got you covered. Need to find the perfect gift? Don't panic. Try Gift Mode on Etsy now. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Good morning. Jane Pauley is off enjoying this Labor Day weekend. I'm Ted Koppel, and this is a special edition of Sunday Morning. When we first brought you this program almost a year ago, we posed the question, are we a nation divided? That already seems sadly outdated. Are we divided? Of course we are. When a former president of the United States is facing four criminal indictments, at the same time that he remains a runaway favorite to be nominated by the Republican Party as its candidate to be the next president of the United States. The one thing you can say without fear of contradiction is that on this subject at least, we are a nation divided. So, is that it, Ted? Are you suggesting that we settle in for 90 minutes of gloom and doom? Absolutely not. This is, after all, Sunday Morning, a program that many of you have come to love over the years precisely because it revels in America's diversity and good humor. Indeed, even in the worst of times, what has saved us from slipping entirely over the edge has been that American sense of humor, our ability to laugh at ourselves. And more than 50 years ago, this guy, Archie Bunker, walked the razor's edge into tens of millions of American homes. You're Jats, you're Chinamen, you're crouching, you're heaves, and you're even stairs. Oh, come in here, and they're all free to live in their own separate sections. Where they feel safe, and they bust your head if you go in there. That's what makes America great, buddy. Producer Norman Lear was the man who created Archie Bunker and All in the Family and other hit shows like The Jeffersons and Maud. He had just turned 100 when I spoke with him. And the good news is that he recently turned 101, is still at work, still pushing the envelope. You're going to piss a lot of people off, Norman. You know that. Oh, wouldn't it be interesting? I am determined to find out. <laughs> Lee Cowan reports on a part of the country where the tension between conservatives and progressives has taken on a particularly interesting form. A conservative slice of Oregon that wants to move, lock, stock and barrel, into Idaho. 
and that movement has only grown over the past year. Our system is set up on a majority rules. Right. I'm in agreement with that, but at a particular point when the majority becomes a supermajority, then one side is negated. And that's how you feel. We are negated here. From John Dickerson, we'll hear that a divided America is actually as old as America itself. Ben Tracy takes us to Wyoming, where the very rich are so rich that the not-so-rich can barely afford to live there. David Pogue finds out why some of us go off the rails when we go online. Plus, Martha Teichner in search of common ground. Commentary from retired Army General Stanley McChrystal. This is a special edition of Sunday Morning, and we'll be back after this. Are you struggling to close deals? Cold outreach is wasting the time of both the buyer and seller at every stage, especially when sellers are using shallow and outdated data. Your organization can overcome these challenges with technology that translates comprehensive, high-quality buyer data into real-time insights. These deeper insights empower sales reps and teams to adopt the habits of top performers, which leads to better outcomes like more pipeline, higher win rates, and larger deals. We call this deep sales, and we've built the first deep sales platform with the next generation of LinkedIn Sales Navigator. Right now, you can try LinkedIn Sales Navigator and get a 60-day free trial at linkedin.com trial. That is linkedin.com slash trial for a 60-day free trial. Let LinkedIn Sales Navigator help you sell like a superstar today. Just go to linkedin.com slash trial and get started. If you're constantly on the hunt for a good deal, then you need Rakuten. Rakuten is the smartest way to save money when you shop because members get cash back at over 3,500 stores across every category, including fashion, beauty, electronics, home essentials, traveling, dining, and more. You're already shopping at your favorite stores. Why not save while you're doing it? It's a no-brainer. Get the Rakuten app now and join the 17 million members who are already saving. Cashback rates change daily. See Rakuten.com for details. That's R-A-K-U-T-E-N. Your cashback really adds up. The campaign in Oregon to move part of the state into Idaho has been gaining momentum, so much so that Lee Cowan went back to bring us this update. This is 1863. Mike McCarter. He knows his American history. Well, guys, let's go ahead and get started here. Almost as well as he knows his Bible. Dear Father, we just thank you for this time. His family has lived and worshipped here in Oregon for four generations. The only time I lived out of the state was during the Vietnam War when I was in the military. But his Oregon might not be the Oregon you're thinking of. The one with the misty, rugged coastline, Pinot Noir wineries, and its loyally blue politics. Nope, this is the red side of Oregon, the rural and more sparsely populated part. Mike lives in the town of Lapine. It's almost like the Grand Canyon goes right along the, the Cascade Range. It's that big a divide. It is a big divide. What that means politically, he says, is the blue part of Western Oregon always outweighs the eastern parts red. And in talking to a legislator over in the Portland area, I said, the legislature doesn't listen to our people, our representatives over here. He said, whoa, 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 stop, Mike. We hear what they're saying. We just outvote you. So McCarter decided to look for greener pastures, or in this case, at least one's a little more red. This would be Oregon, and that across the river would be Idaho. We met him along the banks of the Klamath River last August while he was spearheading a campaign called Move Oregon's Border. The group had been busy introducing ballot measures all across the state, asking voters about the idea of pushing the urban blue bits of Oregon into a smaller but still populous state and then taking the rural red parts and creating what would be part of a more expansive Idaho. When you have a government that won't listen to the opposition or take into account those of us that live out here, then we have no government representation. 
Eastern Oregonians like Sandy Gilson quickly jumped on board. This town is about 200. She owns a real estate business in rural John Day, Oregon, a community more closely aligned to Boise, Idaho, than it is to Portland, Oregon, in virtually every way. Are you optimistic that you've got a chance? Um, I look at it that the American Revolution was a big hurdle to make, and they did it. Does it feel like things are a little closer than they were? It absolutely does. It's been a year since we visited, so we decided to go back to Oregon to see just where things stood now. We asked these counties, how do you feel about it? And you didn't know at the time? No. And now you do? Yes. <laughs> back then, nine counties had voted in favor of considering making Eastern Oregon part of Idaho. Well, now that number is up to 12, with another county set to vote this coming May. We're getting into people's heads about this. The pendulum is starting to swing. It is. As for Idaho itself, well, it's at least open to discussions. This past spring, Idaho's state representatives approved a measure to begin a dialogue with Oregon over whether and how to redraw their common boundary. But so far, Mike says, Oregon is playing hard to get, at least in public. And we've heard back from behind the scenes that, wait a minute. If we fund a bridge in eastern Oregon, why would we do that if it's going to become Idaho? But the opposition has swung into gear, too. Moving Oregon's border, we just can't afford it. A Portland nonprofit called Western State Center is branding the move a radical change, comparing it to Oregon's past white nationalist hate groups. Why are violent extremists pushing for secession? Their message? If rural conservatives don't like Oregon's urban liberal leanings, well, don't move the border. Move themselves instead. We're not running away from the problem. We're not going to run away and move to Idaho. We're going to deal with the problem right here and now. There are a lot of details still to be ironed out, and the devil is in every one of them. Not to mention the fact that actually changing the border would require both Oregon and Idaho to agree, and then they would need to be approved by the U.S. Congress. No, I don't think that we should act like state lines are written in stone. We should look at them and say, does this actually make sense? Author Richard Kreitner, who wrote a book about secession and division, says it's hardly a new idea. Secession has always been there. You know, Catholics lived in Maryland, debtors lived in Georgia, um, you know, Puritans lived in New England. They were kind of separate to begin with, and that's why they wanted nothing to do with one another. So it's really woven into our DNA. Absolutely. There's nothing sacred about, about Oregon. There's nothing sacred about Delaware or my native New Jersey, in my opinion. You know, these are just kind of inherited forms. Did you ever imagine, though, you'd be involved in a movement like this, though? No. <laughs> Mike McCarter will be the first to tell you that moving Oregon's border is radical. But he says if we've learned anything about our politics in the last several years, it's that conventional seems so yesterday. I mean, as fast as things are changing in this country right now, why can't we? Why can't people still have the right to... Audible is the destination for thrilling audio entertainment with highly anticipated new releases. The time is now more than ever to embrace the breathtaking, sinister, and shocking tales that can enthrall you, especially with brand new exclusive thrillers from best-selling authors who are guaranteed to keep you gripped, like Amy Tintera's Listen for the Lie. With exclusive thrillers from best-selling authors, captivating sound design, and dynamic performances, Audible brings these stories to life like never before. And as a member, you can choose one title a month to keep from their entire catalog. New members can try Audible free for 30 days. Visit audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. That's audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See t-mobile.com. Vote for who governs them.
Here's a thought to ponder this Labor Day weekend for those with kids in high school. Send them off to college or have them learn a trade? The answer is not as clear-cut as you may think. Have a seat. You and I are sitting on and next to the most used piece of equipment. <laughs> I think some of the biggest decisions was made on one of these. <laughs> <laughs> That's Julius Wright sitting on the other toilet seat. He's a master plumber and an instructor. Prepare for the worst, and if you walk out on the best, you're good. At the training facility for the Plumbers and Gas Fitters Union, Local 5 in Lanham, Maryland. It's just you and a snake. As we saw last summer, here young men and women go through a five-year apprenticeship learning the trade before they can call themselves licensed plumbers. I was one of those kids that knew I wasn't going to college. It's crazy because it's a five-year apprenticeship in college is four years, so. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it's not easy. You no. come here, but. Here, you don't have student loans that you have to pay back. You're getting paid. You're getting paid to learn a trade. Learning here and assisting a licensed plumber on the job, an apprentice can make up to $77,000 a year. Even so, says Brandon Magrowski, the work carries a certain stigma. Growing up, my parents would see something like that and say, oh, go to school so you don't end up like them. Well, great pay, great benefits. I'm not doing bad, but normal people still look down on us. Why do you say normal people? The, the regular everyday people, the people that work nine to five in an office, we get dirty, we get smelly, we get covered in all sorts of muck. It's just what we do. The division is partly a function of people thinking that because the work is dirty, it must be stupid. If people never attempted skilled manual work, they may not understand just how intellectually rich and engaging it can be and demanding. To describe Matthew Crawford as a mechanic with a PhD in philosophy is a little glib, but it's also true. I was the director of a think tank, and I quit that job to open a motorcycle repair shop. Because? Well, the think tank work, essentially we started with a set of conclusions, the ones that our donors wanted, and then worked backward to a set of premises that could get us to the conclusions. Whereas if you're trying to figure out why a bike doesn't start and run right, you can't weasel your way out of it not starting and running right. And Crawford reminds us there are 43 million Americans carrying a student loan debt averaging somewhere north of $37,000. The trades, meanwhile, provide more than just a good living. What distinguishes the skilled trades, I think, is that you're always using your own judgment. The physical circumstances in which a plumber does work or an electrician, that you're never simply following a set of instructions. You always have to get a handle on some novel situation and diagnose it. We do work with our hands a lot, but a lot of it's up here and people don't really appreciate that. People think it's simple to fix the toilet and they think it's simple to weld pipe. That's Local 5 apprentice Jack Teese. Guy I work with says, art without an audience. I like that, art yeah. without an audience. Yeah. I say that to the foreman all the time, it's artwork without an audience. What do you think is causing the divisions in this country today? Ignorance. This is an opportunity to do the Taria, call him T. Smalls, is business manager of Local 5. That stigma, that myth, that people that are in trades did trades because they couldn't do anything else. Not understanding that the guy that engineered the highways is a trade guy. The guy that engineered the IT services that get you your internet is a trade-based guy. In the old days, a union man was a Democrat. <laughs> Always. Yeah. Through and through. Yeah. Not anymore. No, not anymore. Because? You put trust in politicians, they'll break your heart. <laughs> you know? At the union level, I think they always say it's about Democrat, but if you talk to people out in the field, most of them are very conservative in their values. You come to work, as long as we're getting work done, you can believe whatever you want. I work with all different type of people. You're looking at three master plumbers, Jonas Bonilla, Mary Sims, Renika Dix. Do they enjoy perfect racial and gender equality? Not quite, but they do get the same pay. Pay scale is 
even, but I think it wouldn't be that way if it weren't union. That's not the way it is out in the world. No. Women make less than men do, yes. significantly less. So one more for the union, mm -hmm. right? There you go. I feel like people aren't transparent with what the real wages are for these industries. That stigma has pushed down and pushed the vocational trades out of the schools when in reality, we need those trades. A lot of the divisions in America today seem rooted in the perception that some white-collar workers and many college graduates have about themselves relative to the tradespeople who keep their homes and their cars and their utilities functioning. That illusion contributes to the contempt that many people feel for the working class. So to my mind, a lot of that division in the country is facilitated by a lack of acquaintance with the kind of work that others are doing for those of us who uh, are free of it ourselves. Do you mind my asking what you take home in a year? Over a hundred grand, over a hundred thousand dollars. It's a modest answer. Julius makes way over a hundred thousand dollars. You got a house? Yeah, I have two houses. I got two houses. Why do you think people still have such a strange outlook toward the working man and woman? Man, if I could answer that, I feel my opinion is people need to have a certain status or feel they're in a certain class group over someone else. And you think going to college gives people that sense of, I'm, I'm a little better than you yes, are? Yes, because I'm educated. They don't think we're educated. What the pandemic taught us was that we're essential. When they were locked in the house and this doesn't work, who do you call? The uneducated plumber, right? So now, who's winning? The college or the trade? Support for this show comes from Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence, and Loom help power the collaboration needed for teams to accomplish what would otherwise be impossible alone. Because individually, we're great, but together, we're so much better. That's why millions of teams around the world, including 75% of the Fortune 500, trust Atlassian software for everything, from space exploration and green energy to delivering pizzas and podcasts. Whether you're a team of two, 200 or 2 million. Atlassian Software is built to help keep you connected and moving together as one. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. In 1858, Abe Lincoln, running for the U.S. Senate, gave a campaign speech in which he said, a house divided against itself cannot stand. For the record, he lost that election. As John Dickerson reminds us, we have been deeply divided before. These are objects from both the deep history of American democracy and recent events, from elections, protests, what have you, and you start to see techniques and devices reappear over time. These things kind of rhyme with each other, and these objects almost talk to each other across different periods. At the Smithsonian Institution, historian John Grinspan is a curator in charge of that part of the nation's attic that holds the objects of American democracy and politics. I call this the fossil record, that just as the Smithsonian is known for its dinosaurs, these are the fossils of democracy. Grinspan is also an author who was working on his latest book about the violence in American politics at the end of the 19th century. The way you organize a campaign is you get torches, you wait till midnight, and you march through downtown. And when his work started to feel increasingly like a study of our own time. When you were writing about these themes from the late 19th century, you're also seeing it out your window 
in American democracy at that present moment. Seeing these things from our past, these really ugly trends that I thought we'd put away, be kind of reverse engineered and come back, it's eerie. It's too relevant all of a sudden. To Grinspan, torches carried six years ago by white supremacists recall torches carried by advocates of the opposite position, anti-slavery marchers of the 1860s, the Wide Awakes. After the Civil War, blacks were attacked for exercising their newfound right to vote. Opponents of immigration questioned what it meant to be a real American. The recession of 1873 was followed by a hotly contested presidential election. Whether it's 150 years ago or today, when political affiliations become so closely associated with people's identities, conflict is no longer about ideas, it's personal. A recent Pew Research Center poll found that growing shares in each party now describe those in the other party as more closed-minded, dishonest, immoral, and unintelligent, just like in the 19th century. Is that basically the most important distinction for us to pay attention to, which is not the strength of your beliefs, but the strength of your fear of the other side? When American politics is at its ugliest, there's a sense among perpetrators of violence that the other side should not be participating, has no right to be engaged. To bring us back from the brink today, Grinspan suggests we look at how 19th century leaders cooled the passions of their times. How did they do it in a system that was rewarding acrimony? One of the things that drives this is that there's always a sense that a certain class of politicians should be removed from the ugliness of politics, that presidents in particular are supposed to be kind of like a friendly national grandfather. So there was a wall between the politics and the presidency, and that wall has been eroded. It's fascinating from a historian's perspective is to see how many things that seem set, that seemed like the norms of democracy, are just because people follow them until they don't. How do we survive this period where it seems only to be escalating towards something dangerous? That's the fundamental question. I mean, there's a big transition from a political system that's deeply public and fought out in the public square to one that's private, where you don't talk about politics at the dinner table. And the sense that restraint is the key value in democracy. And it sounds too easy. You say restraint and it works, but if you say something enough in the culture, that's how you make change. Thanks to ADT, our presenting sponsor. I enjoy true crime podcasts as much as the next person, but I think we've all experienced losing sleep when an episode hits just a little too close to home. With ADT, get 24-7 peace of mind knowing that your home is protected by the most trusted name in home security. With nearly 150 years of experience, reliability, and safety innovations, ADT is a tried-and-true smart home security system that over 6 million Americans trust. Equipped with the latest technology and the intelligence of Google, ADT provides comprehensive protection that you can manage from virtually anywhere. Whether you opt for professional installation by ADT Pros or easily set it up yourself, customize your smart security system to work for your home and your routine. With Nest cams and doorbells, set up intelligent alerts so you receive notifications on what matters most. Your camera can tell the difference between a person, package, vehicle, and animal, and will alert you when there's activity. When the most trusted name in home security adds the intelligence of Google, you've got a home with no worries. Go to ADT.com today or call 1-800-ADT-ASAP. Google, Nest Cam, and Nest Doorbell are trademarks of Google LLC. ADT. Brilliantly safe. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Here's a lovely line about averages. Take a man and put one of his feet in a bucket of ice and the other in a bucket of boiling water and... On average, he's comfortable. On average, Jackson Hole, Wyoming is a really comfortable place to live. But as Ben Tracy found, it does help 
if you have a lot of money. Jackson, Wyoming is often called the last of the Old West. Its cowboy culture runs so deep, it even rides along on the morning cup of coffee. And while some of the best things in life here may be free, you pay a steep price to live in this valley known as Jackson Hole. I love this community and I love the place where I live, but there is always that question in the back of your mind of, are you gonna be able to survive here? Elizabeth Hutchings moved here from Massachusetts in 2018. For the first seven months, the only place she could afford to live was in her van. Between living in your van, your car, and various apartments, how many places have you lived here in four years? Let's see, van. Eight or nine. Eight or nine. And in a lot of places, there's been that question of, oh, this is home, but for, for how long? Teton County is now home to a divide bigger than those mountains for which it's named. It is the wealthiest and most unequal in America. The average income here is $318,000, and the average single-family home price is now more than $5.5 million. That's left a food pantry overwhelmed by demand, staring at $6 million townhomes rising across the street. The level of wealth you see and the level of disparity that you see, I mean, some people have more money you could spend in 10 lifetimes. There's a saying in town that you either have three homes or three jobs. Many workers have been forced to cheaper towns nearly 40 miles away over sometimes treacherous roads. Hutchings works at a local restaurant. And when we met last summer, she shared this basement apartment with a roommate. Since then, she's had to move again. If you're spending so much of your time driving or so much of your time working just trying to survive, I think everybody has that question of, is it worth it? This area here is actually one of the holdovers in town that I imagine in five years even will look very different. Yale School of the Environment professor Justin Farrell grew up in Wyoming and is author of the book, Billionaire Wilderness. He says the middle class here has been completely hollowed out. Inequality is an issue playing out across the country. Is it uniquely bad here? It is uniquely bad, actually. It's nation-leading bad. If you're making 40, 50, $60,000, you're likely living in your car or you're living 45 minutes away. For most people, it's becoming unlivable. The reason, he says, is that the ultra-wealthy find Teton County very livable. Their arrival here accelerated during COVID. The desire for multi-million dollar mountain escapes has created a new land rush. Americans have always looked west. It's always been the lodestar of American identity. And probably Jackson Hole with the cowboy image and the Tetons, it's I think what makes it so special for so many people. On top of that, it's functionally a tax haven. So Wyoming does not have a state income tax. It doesn't have a corporate tax. So it's a really great place to park your money legally. All that wealth is cleverly disguised behind a facade of pickup trucks and jeans. It's almost as if the landmark watering hole, the million dollar cowboy bar, knew what was coming. This place is really unique because it allows people to engage in this personal transformation to become a normal person. They rely on the Western stereotypes to do that. And so you have these millionaires, even billionaires, dressing in Wrangler jeans, dressing down, trying to avoid any sort of class indicators that might make them look wealthy. And I think it's really well-intentioned. Phil Hartle is a private wealth advisor who moved here from high-tax California. Good girl. He and his wife, Monica, <laughs> relocated to Jackson in late 2020. It was really about living in a different kind of place and really being closer to nature. And so it's tremendous to be a part of that. I get a sense that you really do have a respect for the place. And I, I don't want so. this to sound rude, but I assume you're aware that some people here think you're part of the problem. Oh, of course. Absolutely. Absolutely. How does that feel? It's my responsibility to show them that, you know, I understand that we came here more recently. We're COVID babies, right? But at the same time, if you approach it with a regard and a respect and a listening, and at the end of the day, like anywhere, they judge you as, as an individual, what kind of person you are. Hartle says he's planning to donate a third of his tax savings to local nonprofits and charities. Teton County is one of the most philanthropic communities 
in America. Am I part of the problem? Sure I am. You know, I'm one of the people that came in and was able to buy a house at a marked up price. And I'm very grateful for that. But again, I also see that I have an obligation as a result. For Elizabeth Hutchings, she says she just wants to make sure people like her, the horsepower that keeps this cowboy town running, can also call it home. If we don't find a way to create a more equitable society and to support people with housing and human services, you won't have an economy. You won't have dozens of nice restaurants to eat at. Do you look down the road and do you see yourself here in 10 years? I don't care if I'm here in 10 years, but I want other people to have a better quality of life in 10 years. The internet can have the most extraordinary impact on the most mild-mannered people. David Pogue looks at our digital divide. Maybe you've noticed something very strange can happen when we go online. We become totally different people. So there is a Jekyll and Hyde thing happening. Oh, most definitely. Most definitely. Paul Vigiano can tell you from experience. Well, it was election night, 2020, <laughs> and I was on Facebook, and it got spicier as the face got redder and the rage build, was building. I think I may have actually said, you're an idiot. To someone you know? Yes. <laughs> on the great scale, that was pretty mild. But, but, but for me, it wasn't. I mean, for me, it was pretty... Rough. And now you're, you actually teach communications. That's the embarrassing part. <laughs> One of the classes I teach is interpersonal communications. Really? My specialist area is forensic cyberpsychology, which is the study of criminal, deviant, and abnormal behavior. And I'm kept pretty busy. <laughs> Consultant and psychologist Mary Aiken cites four ways that online conversation differs from in-person conversation. First, you can see each other in real life. So I'm looking at your visual cues. I can read. I can read your body language. We lose all of that online. Second, online exchanges may not take place in real time. Somebody posts something. Somebody else comes back later. Things can get misinterpreted. Third, most online discussions are public. If I insult you now, then it increases the shame and the humiliation and the feeling of being targeted. Finally, online anonymity means no repercussions for being nasty. Add all this together and you get what psychologists call the online disinhibition effect. And effectively, it dictates that people will do things online that they wouldn't do in the real world. That online effect can affect real-world relationships. Sometimes you have to speak truth to stupid. And, and that's usually what starts it. Do you fire back in kind when it gets to that level? Depending on my mood, I just poke the bear. Just to see where it's going to go. <laughs> Robin has been there. She asked us not to use her last name. Have you ever cut off ties with people that you, you knew online? I have. I have um, some that were friends. I've had family that has unfriended me because of uh, politics. But Mary Aiken's latest report indicates that new artificial intelligence filters may soon help. We found evidence of an emerging billion dollar sector dedicated to finding technology solutions. We could probably also recognize that never in the history of the internet has anyone's mind ever been changed by being yelled at? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> that is true. Paul Vigiano knows that another election is coming soon. He plans to play this one differently. I'm trying to separate the person from the idea. So my mantra has been hate the idea, but don't hate the person. So I'm hoping I get to that point by then. Do you ever wonder where all your money went? Like every single time you look at your bank account? Honestly, it's probably all those subscriptions. I felt that way too, until I got Rocket Money. Rocket Money helped me see all the subscriptions I'm paying for, and it was eye-opening. Between streaming services, fitness apps, delivery services, it all adds up so quickly. 
Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over 500 million in canceled subscriptions. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash Wondery. That's rocketmoney.com slash Wondery. rocketmoney.com slash Wondery. Let's talk about my mochi ice cream. Why? Because friends do not let friends miss out on something this good. My Mochi is premium ice cream wrapped in sweet soft dough, and the flavors are amazing. Like My Mochi double chocolate with rich chocolatey bits, it's a chocolate lover's dream. Or don't get me started on My Mochi strawberry ice cream. It's cool, creamy, and bursting with natural berry flavor. And the sweet, luscious flavor of My Mochi mango will send your taste buds straight to the tropics. My Mochi is gluten-free, perfectly portioned, and only around 90 calories per piece. Taste the joyfully chill sensation of My Mochi ice cream today. Find My Mochi at Walmart or visit MyMochi.com to locate a grocery store near you. So, matter with this, I call this representative government and Salvatore, Feldman, O'Reilly, Nelson. It's an Italian, a Jew, an Irishman, and a regular American. America owes Norman Lear a bucket full of laughs. He and I spoke just after his 100th birthday last year. And as I mentioned earlier, he recently turned 101. Welcome to I Love Liberty. This rootin' tootin' flag-waving celebration of America was produced in 1982, less than 10 years after the end of the Vietnam War, a war that nearly tore this country apart. I love liberty. It is as blissful a memory as I have. That's Norman Lear, arguably the most successful producer of situation comedies in television. Norman has always been committed to the promotion of free speech. Indeed, his political action group, People for the American Way, produced this special. Somehow Norman even found a way to have the late John Wayne, who supported the war, and Jane Fonda, who very publicly opposed it, kind of, sort of, make nice on nationwide TV. I think that she's a little mixed up in her thinking, and I guess she feels the same about me. That's our right as Americans. I'm glad to live in a country where people are free to disagree, even if it's me some of them disagree with. A little lukewarm, but as symbols of national reconciliation go, not bad. Could you run that same special today? Oh. I am determined to find out. <laughs> Norman Lear, you probably heard, turned 100 last year. And when he talks about producing television specials now, he is not, I promise you, kidding. A half a dozen are in the works. We will be making more 10 episodes of one of the shows. That's good. I love it. Uh, I love it. That's... I love it more. Boy, the way Glenn Miller played. In his heyday, let's say 40 or 50 years ago, situation comedies, the big ones, drew tens of millions of viewers. Norman produced a bunch of those. Here's one he's thinking of redoing. I'm pregnant. Anything but an easy layup. Norman Lear is considering recasting and reproducing one of the most controversial sitcom episodes of all time. You're kidding. That episode of Maud was broadcast 50 years ago. A 47-year-old woman who fears that she and her husband may be too old to have another child. It's legal in New York now. And she's considering an abortion. We finally have the right to decide what we can do with our own bodies. All right, then will you please get yours into the kitchen? <laughs> You're going to piss a lot of people off, Norman. You know that. Uh, wouldn't it be interesting? Because I wouldn't change a word. 
The last moment of that show is something I remember as clearly as anything I ever had anything to do with. Just tell me, Walter, that I'm doing the right thing, not having the baby. And his response was, in the privacy of our lives, you're doing the right thing. In the privacy of our own lives, you're doing the right thing. CBS got thousands of letters. What do you think will happen this time around? They'd get tens of thousands. <laughs> and then, of course, there was Archie. I know what Dr. Feinberg said. Feinstein. Feinstein, Feinberg, it all comes to the same thing, and I know that tribe. <laughs> what made Archie Bunker so relatable was the likelihood that somewhere at work, at the hairdresser, around the Thanksgiving table. If you liberals go on getting your way, we're all going to hear one big loud flush. <laughs> That's the sound of the USA going down the toilet. Every family had or knew someone like an Archie who made us cringe. Who are you calling you people? You people are you people. Even as we stifled the laugh, you always managed to make us laugh, Norman, about the most dangerous things, racism, hatred, bigotry. Can you make us laugh today? If I were doing it today, yes. I would have a 13-year-old daughter who represents everything I care about and is a pain in the ass talking about it in her brilliance and feelings about America. She would, just at 13, know a lot about the foolishness of the human condition and recognize problems that her parents are living with that even they are not facing. I have all the faith in the world in your creativity, but you're putting a lot on those slender shoulders. That 13-year-old's that got a lot to carry. She isn't going to get us out of this mess, but she's going to help. We are more sensitive today about not doing things that would offend gay people. We are more sensitive today about not doing things that offend women or others of minority groups. That has to be a good thing. You say we have to be more sensitive today. You think uh, we're not? I'm not sure I agree with that. Every office now has a department of someone who is there to make sure that others in the department don't go around offending one another. We didn't have that 50 years ago. Is that a good thing? Oh, my God. God, my sense is there's something wrong that we're living in a culture where that has to exist. That there is a role for a person to make sure that other people are being decent humans. It says something about the culture we live in. I'm getting the impression that what you're saying is we shouldn't need a department oh, to no, make us be nice be. to one another. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. But your vehicle for getting us there has always been the ability to make us laugh at ourselves. The foolishness of the human condition. You're still going to do that. I pray so. If I asked you how many subscriptions you have, would you be able to list all of them and how much you're paying? If you would have asked me this question before I started using Rocket Money, I would have said yes. But let me tell you, I would have been so wrong. I can't believe how many I had and all the money I was wasting. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over 500 million in canceled subscriptions. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash Wondery. That's rocketmoney.com slash Wondery. Rocketmoney.com slash Wondery. Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. 
Bite Clear liners are doctor directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Tens of millions of Americans get their political marching orders on the radio. Jim Axelrod has been listening in. Trump won, okay, and Biden's illegitimate, and you're just going to have to live with it, okay? Across America, the message is loud and clear. Teachers in Florida are, are facing the religious tyranny of Ron DeSantis, this Christian terrorist. 35 years after the talk radio revolution, on the air is still often an exercise in off the rails. And you know that guy had like that, that super white hair, he looked like a character in Ozark? The guy's turning into a dictator right in front of your eyes. Brian Rosenwald is an industry expert. What, what's the nature of talk radio? Is it any different than it's been the last two or three decades? If anything, Jim, I think it's more extreme. Following the repeal of the Fairness Doctrine in 1987, broadcasters were no longer required to present both sides of controversial political issues. There's simply no way Joe Biden was legitimately elected president. Which ushered in Rush Limbaugh's polarizing and immensely popular style that attracted 15 million listeners a week who felt dominant media outlets had a liberal bias. And I think over that long span, it has unquestionably divided Americans. It has unquestionably hardened our politics. If Democrats can't rob you, the next best thing is to convince you that you are being robbed. And how is that good for America? It's not. It's bad for America. We're facing a cultural crisis in this country. Michael Harrison is the publisher of Talkers Magazine, the industry Bible. If we could have on the liberal side what we have on the conservative side, the talk radio industry would be better, free speech would be better served, and the nation would be better served. It's not that liberals haven't mounted a counterattack. They just chose another battlefield. So why is there never a liberal Rush Limbaugh? Well, I, I think they've gone into other areas. I think Jon Stewart has been every bit of a trailblazer as Rush Limbaugh was. And he happened to colonize late night comedy. You know, Stephen Colbert, Jimmy Kimmel, most of the late night comics lean left at this point. Which is why more than three decades after Limbaugh weaponized talk radio for the right, liberals remained outmanned and outgunned. On the list of Talkers Magazine top 10 most popular talk radio hosts, all 10 are conservative. While the vitriol flows in both directions these days on commercial radio, the one part of the dial that is liberal turf. This is all things considered from public radio attracts big numbers, though it's relatively restrained compared to the intense competition for listeners on commercial radio that's creating ever more extreme approaches to attracting listeners. CRT, bathrooms that anybody can use. If you're hoping for any change in this dynamic, don't. Talk radio is now a mature business with those running it less willing to gamble on something like nuance. I think uh, right now it's have a take and don't suck. Because the only color that seems to matter more than red and blue in our divided America is green. What is the mission of talk radio? Is it to generate light or heat? The mission of talk radio is to generate ratings and revenue. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. 
Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. So what's the answer? How about putting old and young, rich and poor, conservatives and liberals in the same room and just have them talk it out? Which is to say, try something, anything. Here's Martha Teichner. Angry Trump supporters demanded entry to a ballot processing center in Detroit today. Michigan is a battleground state in every sense of the word. Here, purple doesn't mean moderate. It means the 50-50 red-blue split is a chasm. I'm out of concern for our country and our democracy. That concern is why these people gathered on a Saturday afternoon in Traverse City, Michigan, half of them red, the other half blue, brought together by Braver Angels, a not-for-profit attempting to narrow the divide. And I'm here just to help people understand the point of view of those in the red column. I'm concerned that the polarization has become paralysis Started in 2016, Braver Angels now hold sessions nationwide. We're going to start out with some expectations to abandon. It was shaped by Bill Doherty, who teaches relationships at the University of Minnesota. He's also a marriage counselor. Is it a proper analogy of reds and blues in America and couples on the brink of divorce? There is an analogy to couples on the brink. A big difference is that divorce is not possible in America. In Traverse City, participants arrived uneasy at first, defensive. It was difficult to get in the car and drive there, but I knew I had to do it. To get over her fear of the other side. After what happened in January 2021, when Kelly McIntosh addressed a virtual county commission meeting asking commissioners to denounce the Proud Boys after the violence of January 6th. This was the response. Then came the threatening phone calls. Anybody who knows me knows that I need to be here. Mm. Task number one at a red-blue workshop. For all Marxists or communists, anti-Second Amendment, baby killers. It sounds counterintuitive. List what they call you. The stereotypes, reds and blues in separate rooms. Horribles. Misogynists and the conspiracy theorists. Facilitators then ask each side if there's a kernel of truth in those stereotypes. Passion for pro-life cause sometimes seems to not hear women. And so it goes for three hours, peeling back the onion of opinion looking for common ground, no trying to change anybody's mind. Part of it was kind of gut-wrenching to sit in those stereotypes and then to hear what the other side, how they felt like we saw them. Divided they were, but these people showed up because they wanted to know each other, not by label, but by name. Brent Swenson and Kelly McIntosh. She's a, a neat lady. I like her. Did you think you would click with someone of the blue persuasion so readily? Uh, I would say that I went into it hopeful with that, but I didn't expect to find a friend. I was shocked at the comfort, the camaraderie, because some of the things that we talked about were not real comfortable political things to talk about. Here's the but. While Braver Angels has held more than 2,000 workshops and is growing, so is the divide. So there's a big gap right here. As for closing it, the brave proposition here is that at least trying is something. Three, two, one. He retired as a four-star general and as one of the Army's most decorated veterans. Since then, General Stanley McChrystal has devoted much of his energy to promoting a campaign that he hopes can bring the nation together. Political divisions are tearing our nation apart. Perhaps not since the last decade before our Civil War, 
have differing perspectives so threaten the very fabric of American society. Many of us have seen similar forces in places like Iraq and Afghanistan produce unspeakable pain and tragedy and know that something must be done. But what? My military career taught me that young Americans recruited from every corner of our nation, representing different races, religions, incomes, and accents can be brought together under a single flag for a common purpose and do great things. In all parts of the country, the letters WPA are a symbol of progress and improvement. During the Depression, they built roads, parks, and other things that have contributed to every generation that followed. They started straight in, covering their advance with mortar fire. When World Wars I and II erupted, they united to protect not only America, but the world. They came together as diverse as our society and built bridges, not just over rivers, but also to fellow citizens. Their greatest contribution was not any physical structure. It was in shaping themselves into what Tom Brokaw so aptly described as the greatest generation. I might simply call them good citizens. We can and must do that again by harnessing the power of letting young Americans serve something bigger than themselves. We can do it through what is often called national service. It's a simple concept. Young Americans come together for a year or two and work together in efforts as varied as healthcare, education, conservation, the military, or other community projects. For that period of their lives, before they go on to jobs, school, or family life, they work alongside other young Americans, serving fellow citizens and learning about each other and themselves. So how could this work? First, it exists today in the many programs like AmeriCorps, City Year, and VISTA, but needs to be expanded. A public-private partnership providing essential funding for stipends and other needs, creating programs and opportunities, and establishing a set of supporting policies like educational grants and job placement for National Service veterans is needed. It costs money and it takes effort. But the benefits of producing better citizens who are more connected to each other would be worth any amount. And the time to get serious is now. 23 years ago, political scientist Robert Putnam wrote a book called Bowling Alone. The disappearance of bowling leagues was suggestive, Mr. Putnam wrote, of a much wider trend in which we as a nation have become increasingly disconnected from one another, from family, friends, and neighbors. The ultimate irony, of course, is that all of this has happened in the age of the internet and social media, which enable us to communicate with thousands, even millions of people at a time. It has produced a baffling paradox, a technology that draws us closer together, even as it increasingly is used to drive us apart. There's nothing new, of course, about spreading rumors and half-truths and outright lies about those we don't like. What we've never seen before is how anyone with access to an iPhone can undermine reality, replacing truth with lies and spreading them around the world at the speed of light. What we're coming to learn, of course, is that far from eliminating loneliness, being in touch with everybody instantly has only appeared to heighten our sense of isolation. I'm Ted Koppel. Please join us when our trumpet sounds again next Sunday morning. This is Stephen Colbert, here to talk to you about The Late Show Pod Show, which is our podcast of The Late Show with Stephen Colbert. I'm here with my producer, Becca. Becca, what can people expect on the podcast? The extended moments, for sure. For instance, if I'm talking to Tom Hanks for like 20 minutes, only 14 of that ever makes it to air because we just don't have time. And Tom's a jabberjaw. You know, he's a chatty Cathy. But it's all gold because it's Tom Hanks, and we put that on the podcast. We do. Yeah, that's value added. Listen to The Late Show Pod Show with Stephen Colbert wherever you get your podcasts. It was the biggest scandal in pop music. The stars of Milli Vanilli, the Grammy-winning multi-platinum R&B phenomenon, were exposed as frauds. But none of this was their idea. So whose idea was it? 
Enter German music producer Frank Farian. He saw the success of acts like Michael Jackson and Prince, and he wanted in, no matter the cost. So he devised the perfect pop heist. Two once-in-a-lifetime talents who were charismatic, full of sex appeal, and phenomenal dancers. The only problem? They couldn't sing. But Frank knew just how to fix that. Wondery's new podcast, Blame It on the Fame, dives into one of pop music's greatest controversies and takes a never-before-heard look at the exploitation of two young Black artists. Millie Vanilli set the world on fire, but when the truth came out, Rob and Fab were the only ones who got burned. Looking back now, it's hard not to wonder, why did everyone blame them? and not the man pulling the strings. Follow Blame It on the Fame, Millie Vanilli, on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can binge all episodes of Blame It on the Fame early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. Always on the go? Well, now you can take CBS Mornings with you. Wake up to your daily dose of news and interviews on CBS Mornings On The Go. It's a podcast you can listen to CBS Mornings On The Go ad-free on Wondery Plus.